Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Christmas extravaganza, the combining of the two podcasts that don't know when to stop, the film club, the double feature. Welcome to the Christmas extravaganza. I'm your host, Dean, joined by the double feature man himself, David. David, how are you? I'm already tired of the holidays. <laughs> and also joined by Miss Giggles over here, Miss Boo from the Film Club Podcast. How are you? I will financially never recover from this holiday season. Neither do I, but that's because Nax Ramus got released in Classic WoW. Deep cut nerd jokes for all. Alright, so cool everybody. Welcome to the to the podcast. I guess this is the first time I guess everybody's been in the same room together. Yeah. Right, right. That's true. Yeah. I've yeah. actually never seen you before, Dean, so this is a new surprise for me. We've we've been doing the podcast over like um voice to talk, like the speaking spells. Right. Yeah, but also from within one of those confessional, Catholic confessionals, so I only hear you through the gated, uh... Oh, uh, I thought piece. that was, I thought I was alone in there. Oh, oh god, please tell me you didn't see me doing the thing with the chicken, right? Well, you know, we'll, we'll, some, certain things stay within the church. Okay. Yeah. Is he still using the Channing Tatum picture as his profile pic? Hey, hey, I'd so look like Channing Tatum if Channing Tatum put on a few pounds and... Stop taking care of himself and whatever. Didn't, didn't know how to dance. Didn't know how to dance. I'm just going to say I was disappointed to actually see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a terrible idea. But other than that, um, so for this episode, we are on theme because Christmas is about bringing people together. You know, it's about, you know, coming together, watching some movies, having fun. And we all decided to bring in our favorite Christmas films and watch them together, talk about them, compare them, see what's going on. My pick for favorite Christmas movie to bring in was Christmas Vacation, the National Lampoon classic. David, what did you bring in? I brought in another American classic, A Christmas Story. I don't think there is a DVD collection in America that has gone without this. That's true. That's true. And Miss Boo came in with the deepest of cuts, but actually a pretty awesome movie. I do what I can. What, What did you bring? I brought in the Bill Murray classic, Scrooged. From the 80s. Yes, directed by Richard Donner. I didn't even know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, on the double feature, we try and save good pairings. Were these good together? This is a good kind of marathon kind of film experience. And we're going to try and figure that out. And, Boo, you like talking a little bit more in depth about each movie, so we'll try and bring all that in together. All right. Sounds good. Now, I guess first thing, these movies all work together, right? We're, we have a good kind of Christmas movie marathon here. Yeah, I think that uh, overall, like the A Christmas Story and Vacation, both touch on the family aspect of Christmas, and then kind of alternatively, Scrooge fits a little bit in with both uh, along the covetous theme of Christmas. That that nice corporate greed. Yeah, and the the swimming pool and the the American merchandise uh, that coming in the form of that that sweet sweet rifle. Yep. <laughs> Scrooge was also really cool because it was a modern. So we did an episode on Romeo and Juliet, and we recorded it pretty recently. Yeah, and we got in a whole thing of modernizing classic work. Mm-hmm. And I thought Romeo plus Juliet by Baz Luhrmann didn't do it all that well. He was very upset during the recording. I was very upset, but I think Scrooge did it like really well. I think it was an actually very solid modern interpretation of the story, transposed on like nineteen eighties America, but. Well, what have you also the ending is su- something else we'll we'll get to that yes all right so you know i guess where should we we start 
Well, I mean, why not start with Scrooge? We're already here. Um, exactly. And I think that you do make a good point about it. Modernizing a classic story. You know, we there's been plenty of ad- adaptations of A Christmas uh, Carol over the years that have pretty much been the same thing. We, we tried to write a Christmas Carol-style short film not too long ago. And after a while, you find that it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, life happens. No, it doesn't, it's not so much that, but th- I think that this is certainly was a, a fresh take on it in certainly keeping it on the nose. That's the thing I noticed throughout my viewing is that everything... Bill Murray didn't even feel like he was trying to be the character after a certain point. He was certainly even poking fun at the the role he was trying to play and mm-hmm. i think that adds to it because while we i think it's uh one thing to avoid cliche i think it's a whole nother thing to just tack, attack it head on and acknowledge it and say just well these things are still true it. mm-hmm. it's just that we all know that it's also kind of ridiculous because we continue to forget about it yeah yeah it's also interesting because it feels like bill murray in the 80s played the perfect jerk just because that is literally that was his character in Groundhog Day. That's his character in Ghostbusters. That's his character in in Scrooge, and it's almost like perfect casting if you're gonna make a Christmas Carol modern comedy. Yeah, yeah. And, and this was his second time coming back to starring in a feature film because Ghostbusters was his first, and after a while it was kind of dry. So he was kind of considering maybe not coming back. Really? Yes. And then that's when they you know approached him for Scrooge, and he was like, "Yeah, totally. I love it." His brothers were in the movie. I think, was isn't this the only movie where all of his brothers appear in with him? All of his acting brothers mm-hmm. appear in it. Wait, he has, he has I, more than four brothers? I think he does. Jesus Christ, the Murray's got busy, okay. Plus his dad, Frank. I think so. Yeah. I think his dad's in the movie, too. Yeah. Who was also in Christmas Vacation. Well, he was. Yeah. He was. No, actually, that's not his dad. That's, that's his, his oldest o- brother. That's his oldest brother who just plays his dad in all these movies. Because I think the age difference <laughs> is, like, uh, significant. Can I get a rundown of the Murray family tree, if anybody knows? Because now I'm thoroughly confused. There's, like, seven kids, I think. Is and... he, like, the youngest of them or something? I don't think he's the Or youngest. I guess probably uh, John was younger than him. Yeah, John looks a lot younger than him. So he's probably somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah, there's. I guess there's a lot of them. It's a big brood of Murrays. Big, big, big Murray, you know, brood going on. But yeah, and it's also kind of nice that like, you get to see all his brothers and it's a Christmas story. And it's, you know, it's has another like layer on top of it where it's, oh, all his brothers are in it, his family's together, making this movie about Christmas, which is about bringing people together. And yeah, it's really, yeah. really nice. Family and Christmas, they go hand in hand. It's true. So where do we want to start with Scrooge? Because we already talked about Mr. Mister Murray. Is there any particular scenes and story beats, things we want to get well, into? This is something that I watch every year. So why don't you guys take the lead since this is your first time seeing it? Because I know you haven't seen it. And I think you said this was your first time too, David. Right. I, I don't even think I'd heard of this one before uh, the viewing. I mean, the first thing that really popped out to me was, again, uh, Murray's very on the nose acting uh, in the role. You know, I thought, I mean, that initial scene with the, the commercial viewing in the boardroom. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of, if this movie had shades of network for some reason for me. Yeah. And uh, maybe that was also uh, one thing they tried to do, as I'm sure they wanted to make fun of the, the process of the industry. Mm. 
uh, within the movie, which was fine for me. I, I, um, I certainly enjoy that kind of dystopian feel that they put out there in late 80s America. Making sure everybody knows that this isn't only because you you aren't with your family this time of year, but also because you're intriguing that thing about sex, drugs, and violence on television. Yeah. Um. But you you know the the thing the other thing that stands out to me isn't until the end. So I don't know if there's anything that stood out to you, Dean. So. There he goes. He's gonna break out that tinfoil hat. Yeah. No, 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 there's no tinfoil hat. I enjoyed the movie thoroughly, like, across the board. I thought Bill, I thought the emotion of Bill Murray portrayed throughout the movie was really good. I thought the whole thing about him seeing, like, little Bill and, you know, the tears growing up when he sees his mom. Just like, oh, that's so nice. The cab driver was funny. Uh, I guess the ghost of Christmas present was kind of weird, though. I will say that. That was very, very interesting. She's one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, Carol Kane's great. Yeah, yeah she no, is. she she's fantastic. And the but fact I was that she like, beats the crap out of Bill Murray, him. it's like he needed God. a good ass kicking, and yeah. he got yeah. it. I think that you know, I do think that was part of it too. Is maybe the performance at certain points, kind of like Murray's, they just have them overtake the the story rather mm-hmm. than focusing on details. Because I think then that's again pro- approaching the cliche. It'll fall a little flat because you know Murray's character really doesn't give a shit that he met that Christmas. Yeah. Oh no. Then the other thing is, like, you're leaning into it, you're leaning into the very classical story of A Christmas Carol, and I don't think this movie really wants to do that, because this is a pretty, it's not a faithful retelling, but it's a very good beat for beat of the original story. And I will say this, though, the ending where Bill Murray goes out into the studio and just starts ranting for, like, 30 solid minutes... Don't get me wrong. At the end there, when they all started, you know, talking togetherness and started singing, um, put a little love in your heart. Put a little love in your heart. I was like, oh, this, this feels so good. But <laughs> the first ten minutes of that speech was absolute garbage. No, the last no, fifteen no, was no. gold. It's a, no. it's a great climax. It's a great climax. Yeah. I get it, but there's that again. Also, oh, I think going back to that lens of like we got to just like break through the cliche of yeah. it. Why try and do something? You know. No, the movie really doesn't set up an opportunity for him to be charitable at any point. Like, he's supposed to at the end of Christmas yeah. Carol. Yeah. Other than getting that kid to speak, which well, also even getting, then is kind of a, a red herring or whatever. Also yeah. getting Bobcat Goldsmith his, his uh, job back. Yeah, he gives him his that's job true. back. He gives him a raise. He even offers his office. And he's like, I don't even like your office. And he's like, that's so you, Elliot. So. Yeah, that, that was another one that really poked on that sort of dystopian. That one started to remind me of Natural Born Killers or something. Oh, God. The, there are moments in this movie where I'm like, this is kind of surreal in what they're trying to do here. Yeah. Where it's like the... Okay, when he comes in with the shotgun, that is absolutely... It looks like it's on the Unnatural Born Killers for a minute, because I guess it's the wide-angle lens that they're using. But there is another there's another point in this movie where I was like, this just looks like a cartoon, and I... I think it's the entire time where he's with Ghost of Christmas Present. I was like, this looks like a cartoon because she is literally a manic pixie. Which, I guess, yeah. works. Yeah, I mean, it's a Christmas Carol con- combined with the fact that it's a Bill Murray comedy. Of course it's going to be a little cartoonish. Yeah. And they bring the reality in it when they're with his brother and they're playing trivia and she's like, okay, you know, we gotta go and he's hitting her, you know, I know this one, I know this one. And, okay, who and didn't he... know the answer to that question? I didn't. 
I know you're a big what? fan. I know you're a big fan of Gilligan. I'm sorry. How did how did you not know it's the SS Minnow? I at least knew the harpsichord from the Adams family. That's better than I. <laughs> Gee, what? Ah, I don't even I don't even know you guys anymore. Well, I mean, uh, it is your first time meeting David. Yeah, Mr. I know. Tatum. So I know. you don't very know very much about me. We'll come to find a lot more about you. Not at all. <laughs> I I know I I hear you hate Bull Durham. Is is that accurate? Uh, I think you've been hearing some bullshit. It's <laughs> all right. I mean, for your first time meeting him, you hit it like right on the nose. He is full of a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Ah, so much hate. So much hate. But I absolutely love the scene with Elliot and the shotgun. Oh, When yeah. he's just going, you know, target practice after Bill Murray with his, hello, Wabbit, just chasing him down the office. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think my, my favorite is when we see his... I think it's his secretary's like home life. Yeah. Because I was like, I I can relate rate, relate to that. You know, your family's there, but you know, all the kids are hanging out, having fun. Yeah. I, I, I like that. It was nice. I yeah. think there's a lot of heartwarming points in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the bringing up that point about um, character with the shotgun. You'll come to learn I'm bad with names on this podcast. Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, that kind of story uh, reminded me a lot of the uh, neighbor story from a Christmas vacation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This kind of like comedic subplot going on um, in order to like give you a break from the emotional ties of the story. Though I enjoyed this one much more because, again, it ties back into the whole thing. And mm-hmm. the other one, it's just like, well, you know, it's funny to watch. Um, oh, what's her Mary Louise Dreyfus? Uh, yeah. Todd uh, and Margot. I can't believe I got it right on the first try. I'm so Julia Louise Dreyfus. Julia Louise Dreyfus. I was close enough. <laughs> Mary's a different character. Mary's that, a different and character. that's your pick, too. Oh, yeah. No, oh, look, I love A Christmas Vacation. It's super funny. It is basically a, a Christmas-style skit show of, like, like old SNL alums. It's great. It's yeah. super funny. But, like, I don't remember half the people's names. I watch it, and it's there's some scenes in that movie where it's like, this is just a raunchy comedy. And there's other scenes, like, where Clark is upstairs and he's watching the old 1950s like home videos of christmas and i'm gonna need a minute real quick oh man that gets me every time but there's, there's like actually heartwarming stuff in that movie you know i before before we do end up getting to the christmas vacation i would like to point out one thing in that scene that really irked me mm-hmm. is that if he breaks through the ceiling and lands on the top of the bunk why not just just exactly. crawl out because clark is an idiot fair but another thing I do want to get to before being scared by plot holes is that the actual terror of that ghost of future, uh, Christmas future, mm-hmm. in Scrooge, that was interesting. Yeah. When when he opens up the... <laughs> it's all the people just hanging out in his chest. Yeah. I was like, that's like, nightmare fuel. <laughs> like the, the face uh, gag that they do where it's like a screen yeah. and just kind of... Mm-hmm. I thought that was genius. Interesting shift in tone. Yeah. No, it makes sense for, you know, normally the ghost of Christmas Future and Christmas Carol adaptations is supposed to be terrifying rather than, like, Whimsical. Uh, actually showing you anything. It is It is interesting that in, like, Scrooge, that the ghost of Christmas um, Future, that whole sequence is just so is incredibly horrifying like when we have bill murray and he's in the coffin and they're sending him into the cremation thing and he's freaking out i'm like that is somebody's actual hell he is living through 
yeah, it's a common fear that people, you know, have, you know, the fear of dying or burning up alive. And we also see that fear of, I could have helped my secretary's son, you know, he, that's when he starts yelling, you know, I know the best doctors at so-and-so hospital. It's like, you know, why didn't you do that ahead of time? It's always, you know, I'll go back, I'll do this, but it's like, it wouldn't have killed you to help this little boy. And you know, the other thing I get, get out of that scene that I don't think I even realized in the other, you know, original adaptations is like it, that scene technically is being a fear of being unimportant mm-hmm. because we have a Christmas uh, or this adaptation. It's a television executive who obviously mm-hmm. thinks he's the king of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in that he controls everybody's viewing pleasure. He thinks he's a pretty important person. And then if you go back to the original Scrooge and those other stories is he's a big, uh, I don't know exactly what kind of business person he he's is. He's some sort of like money lender or he's like some sort of banker or something yeah, like that. something like this. And that would, he obviously thinks he's an important person in that story. But it always instead was just a general fear of death that I thought it was. And this is the first time I really found out that, oh, it's also about realizing that the efforts you made in your life that you thought were important really meant nothing yeah one of the only people who show up to your funeral are your brother and your and his wife and that's it that's it you you see that wow like you had no friends who wanted to come and see you off that's very depressing yeah i mean even claire wasn't there and she loved him and he loved her but by then it was just you know i'm so done with you not even on your last day, I'm going to be there. I cannot think of a possible reason that Claire would have actually loved this guy, though. It, aside from feeling bad that she gave no. him a concussion, I really don't understand why. Well, a slight concussion. That, Bill Murray's got, like, a thick skull. You could just see it under that true. 80s hair. That's why it's hard to grow hair out of it. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, no, Bill Murray's hairline in this movie is tragic, but... It always has been. Yeah. Always has been. But, yeah, the it's really interesting when you bring up like Claire and um, Bill Murray's relationship because at first it's like, oh, they're like that cutesy kind of like late 70s, you know, hippie couple kind of thing. And then he decides to just keep pursuing his business and she just doesn't want that. It's really weird that they break up because he's like, yo, honey, I got a biz, I got a dinner with the head of the company. Like, this guy controls our future. You want to come with? And she's like, but we got we got dinner with, like, our friends from college. Like, well, we should go to that, though. Yeah, as if that can be rescheduled. That, that, that too. I mean, or when he also... I, I, I know I'm saying this, and Miss Boo, my girlfriend, is looking at me and is like, no, 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 we're, we're going to go see our friends after this, right? Well, no, it's, you know, she also says that she, she's seeing the change in him, mm-hmm. and... I understand it, you know, when your career is taking off, that's pretty much all you can focus on. You just want to keep going and going and seeing where it'll take you to, you know, ultimately to the top. But Claire's more, you know, I'm here for friends and family and you're here for, you know, climbing the ladder. So I think this was kind of the the tipping point with, you know, hey, it's Christmas Eve. We should be with our family and our friends. And he's kind of, you know, I need to go to this business dinner and see where it takes me because i'm tired of being in this dog costume but is life worth living if you're not rich that's the real question here i think he ended up makes making the correct choice it's 
Uh, what I'm going to, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. I think this is all Claire's fault. Finally, <laughs> oh, finally, no. somebody else put the tinfoil hat on. I'm so excited. Somebody else has donned the crown. <laughs> because you know, I don't think in any in any other universe, I really don't think he's that bad of a person for saying, "Yeah, I want yeah. to be the president of the company." So let me go to this business dinner to schmooze. Yeah, we can literally reschedule this for next week and probably get a nice bottle of wine once I realize, oh, I'm getting a promotion. It's just like, I don't know, It's maybe it's not so, that's the other reason, uh, the thing I was going to bring up too is, I feel like these adaptations of A Christmas Carol are getting less and less effective because of how black and white the story really is yeah. in its original form. Life is a lot grayer nowadays. Just, uh, just a hair. For worse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, m- maybe it's, um, maybe it's losing its effect. Maybe that's one of the reasons too, that it's a little bit parodied in this movie but um you know yeah it's good at the end of the day that he gets to freak out for a half hour on television and say the company's president i'm i'm not lying (laughs) yeah the ending of the movie when they start singing put a little love in your heart i'm sappy it got me i ain't gonna lie i was like i was humming along and maybe the whole speech isn't pitch perfect but it feels really organic it feels like they just let bill murray just riff for 30 minutes and be like just talk about christmas man just go for it have a little speed you know maybe smoke a joint and then go out there and just roll with it bill and bill's like you don't have to tell me twice and by the end of it he nails it i think i think the whole time he nails it yeah i enjoyed the the idea from the beginning it's like you know him taking over a live broadcast on tv that's drama that's drama no. it's drama they think he's drunk and they're like oh he doesn't know what he's talking about and once he really starts to get in depth with his emotions then it's kind of like oh no he's going somewhere with this this isn't you know he's just you know drunk off his ass and he just wandered onto the stage like no this has purpose it has meaning yeah and i think that meaning especially comes out in the fact that all of these stories are supposed to be about breaking up or open the uh the time loop that Christmas can be, where yeah. we all just go through the motions of Christmas every year, and yeah. it's him actually trying to say, you know, let's cut the crap and really remember what Christmas is about, yeah. and I'm going to kiss this girl on live TV, even though I'm also trying to appeal to the girl I'm in love with, which is an interesting move. But I feel that's where it loses me. When he starts kissing up to the showgirl, and he is also trying to win Claire's heart in the same loop, don't get me wrong. Bill Murray, the charisma on you is might be strong enough to do it, but I don't know. But he does have the failsafe with the mistletoe, where he says, legally, by law, I have to kiss this person because they're under the mistletoe. I feel like if I tried that same thing, you'd shoot me. Most Ooh. people would get shot. Dude. I mean, I wouldn't shoot you. It'd be slower and more painful. Exactly. I love you, <laughs> All right. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's Scrooge. Yeah, um, uh, great pick. Thank very, you. very Thank strong. You. I'm glad you guys both liked it. This yeah. is part of my Christmas traditions every year, so. Well, I think it will become part of mine. Yeah. That's very cool to hear. Yeah. So, where to next on this Christmas extravaganza journey? Well, we I think we did find some parallels in Christmas vacation, so if it's all right with the both of you. Yeah. I think that sounds I think perfect. moving on to that would be a good idea. Christmas vacation. Now, oh, buddy. I have never seen any of the other National Lampoon movies. What? Let me hold them back. Yeah, Don't hurt David. I know. What's wrong with you? Listen, I, I get that Dean has a poster of Chevy Chase in his bedroom. It's not a Chevy. It's not a Chevy Chase. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Please. Whoa. He kisses his William Shatner poster every night. 
thank you. Wait a minute, stop that. I don't kiss posters of William Shatner. I just do, do appreciate you kiss, it. Do you kiss all the guys from Star Trek, or is it just Shatner? Stop! You guys are terrible. <laughs> Bones McCoy is the best character just saying, in that, Star Trek, bar none. Stop it right just now. Just saying, There's that no poster looks a little worn, so... It's from the 70s. Be a little gentle with it, okay? Yeah. You guys are so mean to me. Listen, I'm going to contact the guy at Staples who keeps reprinting your posters. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Don't talk about Dave. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, so, I know of them. I know of them heavily. I've seen plenty of clips. They're fairly famous. Yeah. yeah. To people who are into older movies. I'm sure a lot of younger people nowadays have no idea what a Lampoon is, let alone a national version of it. I, I feel like... And they did make the remake... And it's oh, vacation, yeah. Okay. yeah. So then technically, I have seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I did see that one. Yeah, which was okay. Yeah, it, you know, it's not. It didn't live up to the original because Ed Helms doesn't have like that frat boy tendency that no. Chevy Chase does. It's really weird because so the, like there, there's like a couple of like big omnipresent national lampoon national lampoon movies. It's like. Animal House is probably the most famous one where you associate that that's a National Lampoon movie. Then you have, like, Vacation and Christmas Vacation. And, and there's probably a few other ones that I'm just missing because I'm dense. Uh, European Vacation. European Vacation. Well, the Vacation movies was the franchise. But yeah. realistically... Like, Van you know, Wilder. Oh, Van Wilder was also a National Lampoon movie. Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, you're thinking about it, you're like, man, I've seen I've seen all the ones you've listed so far. Yeah, doing a cursory Google here. Um, yes, Van Wilder's in there. There's a Christmas Vacation too. Yeah. yeah don't don't watch that one. There's a Vegas Vacation, which <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how that is. Uh, there is a Van Wilder sequel, The Rise of Taj. Oh. Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> of course you have. It happens, and it keeps getting more extensive and raunchy from there. Uh, to the point where it, it probably is moved to even mention them. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess if you're on the the, the National Lampoon, um, Mount Rushmore, those are probably the ones you would mention. Yeah. yeah. So, we have National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, is this the first time either of you have seen it before? Have you seen... Yeah. This is the first time you've seen it? Yeah, I think I had mentioned that I had seen it earlier in the episode, but it, I've seen, like, extensive clips because again famous movie gotcha well i guess what did you two think of the movie i guess we'll keep it the theme of you know people who didn't pick it talk about it so what did you guys think of it well i mean i watch it every year this is part of my tradition i mean both of your guys movies this these are movies that i watch every christmas season so i'm very familiar with it I, it's my favorite um national lampoon movie it's also the first National Lampoon movie not to play Holiday Road in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that's a thing. So it's kind of weird to go into it and not hear the, the typical theme song. But overall, it's a great movie. I Like you were saying earlier, where we have the, the subplot with the other characters to kind of take us away from the the family that we're focused on. I love those scenes with um, Margot and Todd. It, it's stupid things, you know, things that probably wouldn't happen to a next-door neighbor, but then again... We've all lived next to people that just drive us crazy for stupid reasons. And there's kind of a point to it, too. I mean, they're very not family-oriented people. They're yeah. just alone on Christmas. Their house is very sterile. There's no modern. Christmas anything in there. They're very materialistic. I mean, the whole thing mounts to connecting with the semen theme in a certain way. And their trash bag, work workout suits. Yeah. They just look ridiculous. 
So it's fun to kind of laugh that at them. Oddly sprawled out stereo that I was confused about. It looked yeah. like it looked like hard drives at a certain <laughs> point, but I was like, dude, that was the '80s, man. Ooh, that was some hardcore '80s like stereo equipment. I guess so. I mean. Whatever you find to be the state of the art, um, <laughs> as I probably called it. But the one thing that I really enjoyed about this story overall is kind of a similar thing as why I like the Christmas story is that it, the story meanders a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I like that there's there are wants, there are desires, there's a goal, but the whole thing is just kind of about let's see where the weekend takes us. Yeah, it see see what the so, family's doing. Because obviously Scrooge is a much more goal oriented movie, albeit based on a antiquated story so there's the it's not its own story in itself but um i do feel like sometimes when we watch a certain we have watched certain movies on the podcast where like it's just too focused on itself mm. when it doesn't need to and i think that these movies benefit from just being about let's see what the family does to each other and then yeah. they don't have to do anything specific which can just be about the scenes don't really build on each other they're just like well now this happens now this and I ended up enjoying that a lot about this movie. There's a lot in the movie that feels like these are standalone Christmas skits with this just cast of characters. Yeah. And I kind of think it, it works in the larger context of the movie because, like, I don't know. I think I feel there's just a bunch of scenes where I can just kind of relate to it in weird ways. A lot of this movie reminds me of my family, you know? Granted, my, my dad was never that dumb. But my dad didn't has fallen off the roof putting up Christmas lights. I think everybody's father has fallen off roofs putting up Christmas lights. My mom broke her back and ruined Christmas one year doing it. So. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, uh, I believe everybody's had the the Christmas dinner where ended up with you just ordering takeout instead of or hmm, leaving or leaving. You know, we uh, we've had a Thanksgiving where we just kind of like oh they're fighting we better just pack up the car and go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. no, my family stuck through those fights. Oh, those are the best kinds of Thanksgivings. But and then the other thing where you know the family comes over, y'all stay over at the house, you wake up Christmas morning, have a bunch of fun, and all the it's just kind of nice. I I think it's just really it's just a really like nice feeling that this movie kind of gives me, where it's the whole family comes together and. Half of them don't like each other, but they put up with it because it's Christmas and their family. And that's the reality of it. You know, you, the idea of all the family coming over and hanging out is exciting. And then your family gets there and it's like, oh my God, how am I going to make it to Christmas morning? You know, please just leave. Yeah, that house certainly begins to feel more like a desert island. Yeah. Home. Also, who doesn't have uh, an uncle that shows up in his RV and drains his septic tank and, and their front yard i mean come on who, who doesn't have that uncle uh not me yeah i'd have to pass on that as well are you sure really that's just me okay whatever it's fine yeah i don't have that uncle either i, swear. I mean <laughs> technically by my family structure i am that side of the family based <laughs> on like Elsinore, but thankfully we're not that uncivilized uh but of course but of course um yeah we, yeah. we learned to shit indoors in my family <laughs> exactly no, I, you know, there's actually another funny thing that you pointed out about Scrooge. This movie is cartoonish, so I don't know yes. why you oh, yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, that, that's the other thing. I mean, we it, even open with an animated sequence, and you're over here making Scrooge cartoony. Look, yeah. I understand. I am a, I'm a hippie, I'm a hypocrite all over the place. Because National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is just a live-action cartoon. It's a live-action yes. Christmas cartoon. Yeah. 
and it's just fun. Like, I think that's my thing with this movie. It's just so much fun. <laughs> it's it the is. point. I mean, Chevy Chase, from as, as early as his SNL days, has always been a very animated person. Mm-hmm. He enjoys his physical comedy. That was half of what he did in those openings on SNL. Um, so uh, the physical comedy especially is what stood out to me. Um, some of it being very classic. Mm-hmm. A lot of not necessarily cliche, yeah, not necessarily cliched, but the like the board sequence in the attic it was very. You knew exactly how that sequence goes, yeah. so it's just like oh, okay, so maybe it's something for the kids to laugh at. But um, I was I especially enjoyed them super exaggerating the sledding sequence. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I don't know because this this is the other thing too is jobs nowadays aren't as mundane as like trying to figure out a new cooking uh oil thing oil or whatever. spray yeah yeah nowadays it's like pretty much everybody you either work for an, uh, an app or <laughs> not that <laughs> probably a retail job so uh, probably uh it's kind of weird how you could be that specialized and have your own office and everything like he does but then also do something that's so meaningless it's also interesting about the whole job thing in this because ha- hashtag 80s people, has- hashtag capitalism, but who who didn't relate to the to Clark when he didn't get his Christmas bonus? Oh, yeah. You ever, you ever have a job where you're expecting your boss to do something nice for Christmas and then he just doesn't? He just gets you lotto scratchers, which has happened to me before. I've been given one Christmas bonus and it came in the form of a gift card to the store I work at. Ah, Which was okay. I mean, I got a jacket out of it. I could, okay. I, I used it. Um, and at the time, I was I was younger. You know, I was only like 17 or 18 or something. So I was like, okay, I shop at this store, I guess. I'll use this. Nowadays, it's like, that's a, not even a reality. Mostly because I don't have a job right now. But, you know. Same. Life happens. Yeah. Speak for yourself. I, I got a good job. It's fine. Yeah, well. How's the Christmas bonus over there? Don't worry about it. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd, Merry really, you'd really like a jelly in the lunch club, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, one year I got lotion, and I work in a restaurant. That's a little weird. Yeah, kind of odd. But yeah, but I don't know. This movie is weird, because I can like kind of relate to everybody, and it's fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's, It might not I mean, be that deep movie, but it's a shit ton of fun. The yeah. whole thing is about being relatable because it's supposed to mirror everybody's familial, familial experience during Christmas. Um, I mean, the other thing I, I really I miss about certain movies, even though Vacation, the new one, technically tried to do this and didn't work, I miss just... Putting actors through action sequences that obviously are stupid and would never happen in real life, such as the beginning of this movie, when they're going to get the Christmas tree. Yes. Except, <sighs> this really feels like something that Dean would make us do someday, and I'm kind of terrified that he's going to drag me and our possible children out to the middle of nowhere. Our absolute children. We're going to have and, 12 you know, of them, and are going to make them carry the tree back. It's going to be awesome. You need to take your meds. It's okay. I know we're yeah, getting to that time, but... Because I also don't understand it either. I mean, as judging by our Christmas... I'm probably going to be end up being uh, in the uh, the house next year's where we have our stereo. We have nothing in our house. You walk in, you're like, is it is it Christmas really? Or 
what's uh, going on in here. And it's then, you me know, time. And then, and then Dean comes outside in his Jason mask and his chainsaw, and he's cutting the tree, and like, oh yeah, it, it's fine, I got it, it's cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the issue here. Yeah, well, I, I will certainly be, make, I will, I will learn from the mistakes of people in the past, and actually send you the bill for all the damage you do to my house. Yes, so. it'll be fine. Merry Christmas to all of you. Oh, good night. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do you guys have any big points in the movie you guys want to get a deep dive in, or? Is this movie just not that deep? It's just kind of fun? It's, well, a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of... Again, I, I've seen uh, Natural Born Killers fairly recently, so I don't know, maybe that's why it's in the front of my mind, but it's really weird to see Juliette Lewis in this movie, only to figure out that not in like a couple years she's going to be playing one of the most gruesome murderers to ever grace the screen. And she'll also be in like Cape Fear, which has some really weird... like dark story dark stuff going on uh yeah so that was weird to see her it was weird to see it was kind of weird to see johnny galecki because he didn't look like he does now yeah uh, he, yeah he looks like just random little kid and it's weird yeah whereas we'll go on to see him and i know what you did last summer briefly uh yeah and forgettably thankfully uh and then he will go on to literally be in one of the biggest TV shows to ever grace cable television. Yeah, Roseanne. Yeah, he was in Roseanne for I, a I, long time. David's mind just got, got blown because he only knew him from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, okay. And his I, name I was David and Roseanne. So. Fair enough. There you yeah. go, whatever. I mean, good for him. Um, I cannot imagine the wealth that comes off of those oh, yeah. residual checks. Oh, God. Every time there's Ro- Roseanne revival, he's over there being like, "Let me just count my money with my gloves made of more money." <laughs> yeah, um, I was kind of interested. I didn't know that Dennis Quaid was re- related to a guy who could be that gross. <laughs> you didn't think Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid were? Uh, were- what? Just didn't make the connection until honestly just now when I was looking at the name and I was like, wait a minute, is that Quaid? Because there's no way anybody else in the industry has that name. It's a pretty unique name. Wait, are they brothers? Yeah, they're brothers. How did you not know that? Okay, look, look. I understood they were related. I thought it was like, oh yeah, they're like cousins, but I'm like, no, wait a minute. No, they're brothers. How, who's the older one? Is Randy Quaid the older one? I think Randy's the older one. Who got... Dennis got all the looks. There, there's yikes. <laughs> there's Randy Quaid. There's Brandy Quaid. Yeah. Brandy Quaid. There's Buddy John Quaid. And then finally, the the family decided to sober up and have Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, like, we need a saving grace. And then Dennis came out like, oh thank God, like... we got one normal one out of the bunch. Yeah, Could and you... well, then he goes on to be in certain things as weird as uh, what was that movie that he was in that I absolutely. Four Horsemen? No, there's like some movie he's in where it's like kids do drugs and they get involved in like some weird cartel thing and it's uh I can't remember what the movie is. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. You you two continue talking. Though. Okay, so I just need to so yeah. So could you imagine growing up and Randy Quaid as your older brother? No, I couldn't. I'd have to run away from home. Are you sure? Because I mean your your older brother does kinda look like Randy Quaid. Which is why I ran away from home. Ah, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Traffic. Tra- oh, yeah, traffic. Never seen it. No, you don't want to. Yikes. I'll, I'll take your word for it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, other than that, so National Lampoon, Christmas Vacation. Based off of John Hughes' short story, Christmas 59. Yes. Uh, John Hughes, I think he also wrote the original story for Vacation as he well. He wrote Home Alone. He wrote Home Alone, yeah. Um, I think Chris, Chris Columbus was the original director for Christmas Vacation, but then he dropped out because he couldn't get along with Chevy Chase, which will be a theme for Chevy Chase's career. Yeah. And, Ever and, seen Community? <clears throat> Community's great. And luckily, you know, John Hughes was a very understanding person and was like, you know what, I have a project for you. Just, you know, sit tight. And that project was Home Alone, which, you know, exploded. So it was kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I, I lost this part to work with, you know, Chevy Chase and do a, a big Christmas movie, but I scored a, a two-parter with uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Arguably a better movie. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm not trying to sit here and talk shit on Dean's show. You <laughs> like it, you do every year. It's That's okay. Fine. I talk shit on his picks all the time. So yeah, she does. Feel free. It's all fair. Yeah. Uh, we, we will. We have planned to do Home Alone in a future episode, but I, I do feel that I, I, I must slap myself on the wrist for overlooking that because that, that is a movie that I always watch for Christmas yeah. and I feel much more is in line with what I like during Christmas. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, it, it, I guess it's like going into the family thing again is the... I hate to get all preachy for a moment. But being a child of divorced family. Hey, me too! Yeah, <laughs> I, the family thing doesn't always, like, stick with me every Christmas because I have to have, like, four or five of them. Yep. By the end of the, the month, and it's just kind of a slog. Mm-hmm. So really, what gets me is always like the alone time, the, the rest time. Uh, that's what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Particularly the extended time on the PlayStation, and I feel like <laughs> Home Alone ends up, ends up being a little bit more along those lines. But I'll give it. I'll give this to Dean. I do think Christmas Vacation, at the end of the day, just like Scrooge finally gets back to the real evil antagonist of all Christmas, corporate America. Yes. <sighs> of course. Of course. I mean, I just thought it was, I just thought it was fun, but okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, you know, the, well, again, the, that final, um, that final, not shootout scene, it doesn't quite get there, but when the police storm the house, mm-hmm. much different scene to watch in 2020. But, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, still fun. I also like how the, pol- how the police chief was like, Really? You took away his Christmas bonus? Look, we just gotta leave, and I'm gonna put the gun right here on the coffee table. What happens, happens, guys. You know, that's gonna happen. I don't know. But that's Christmas Vacation. A lot of fun. You know, good family kind of Christmassy movie. But I think that brings us to the to the final film of this Christmas extravaganza. The Stone Cold Classic, the Christmas movie that will keep AMC channel going all year round. And TBS. And, and also TBS. Uh, what is it? TCL? TCL. Okay, basically mm-hmm. every every channel every year marathons this movie 24-7. Yeah. Because you can't, you know, have Christmas without a Christmas story. You gotta cancel Christmas if you don't watch it. And we have the Christmas story. Alright, David, so this was your pick for your Christmas movie. Yeah, I do, like, I, like they just said, it's kind of the one that everybody watches anyway um it's the one at least i'm always end up watching every christmas i don't really have a specific christmas movie i watch every christmas it ends up i i, I watch one or one or something um 
don't even think I have anything like catalog currently that would go along with it. Die Hard, Die Hard is probably one that I watch the most often, which we covered last episode. Yes, uh, Die Lethal Hard. Weapon certainly will become one I watch every Christmas from now on. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, low-key, some of the best Christmas movies I've ever I'm seen. I'm surprised you hadn't seen Lethal Weapon. I had seen Lethal Weapon, it just never came up. But now I have two classics that I'll watch every Christmas. But yep. Other than that, Christmas Story obviously is the one that I think people know the most. And and one, I, I also believe... Um, like I said, with the meandering story in Christmas Vacation, does the same thing here. Uh, I, I, it's funny because I, I do feel like this movie could have done a lot more in in making um, little old what's his face, uh, Ralphie. I was about to call him Randy. We need to get off the Quaid family just real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm high on Quaid ludes right now. Uh, you know, Ralphie is such an interesting character, and I, I Peter Billingsley, I know, has basically done nothing else. Um, he was an elf. Okay, fair point. So yeah. he, he came back, you know, for like five minutes, and then he was like, yeah, I'm going back to hiding. Yeah. He's like, I'm just appearing to let you guys know, Christmas story approved, and then yeah. he left. And, you know, maybe this is another Johnny Galecki story where he doesn't have to ever work again, but... Yeah, um, little checks from this are probably insane. I I do think that it has to do with this movie being about a more innocent America, but it, I f- always felt like they could have done more to make uh, Ralphie go through more obstacles in the story. This be it's very nitpicky of me, I know, mm-hmm. because again, the whole thing isn't necessarily about watching Ralphie suffer through Christmas, but um, I think there is a lot more about. Christmas that is covered in Christmas Vacation that ends up kind of being forgotten about in this story, even though, again, it's a much smaller story. But um, what what stood out to the both of you about Christmas Vacation for probably the 12,000th time we've all seen it? My God, it might be 12,000 times I've seen this movie. Yeah, I watch it like Christmas Eve when TBS does like the 24-hour thing. <laughs> I put that on, I can fall asleep to it. That's what I do. I, I fall asleep to it, I wake up to it. Usually when it's Christmas morning, it's it's weird. It's Christmas morning and it's Christmas morning in the movie, so I'm like, is TBS watching me? But They are, yes. Probably. Well, are you that tinfoil hat is shining on you. It's my first time wearing the hat today. Are you dawning the crown? I, I am. I mean, you guys did it, so I want to join. Alright. But yeah, so I think the biggest thing about this movie is that it just feels so comfortable. Right, and that's probably because this is one of those movies, even if you haven't, even if you haven't seen it before, and it is your first time watching it, it just feels so comfortable. Yeah. Right? Because it kind of taps into those little things that everybody in, um, everybody who's had, like, Christmas can get into. The present you really wanted, your parents who were doing their best, but, you know, they they don't want to get you a BB gun. And then you get one, and it's... It, it, it's so it's really interesting and it's all the weird stuff that goes out through like a kid's life it's kind of like a snapshot of what it is to be like this like a 10 year old in like middle america during christmas and it's, it's really interesting you know actually that's a good point is i do feel like this story like most stories the the, the journey is what it's really about not the destination and maybe this one is uh, pointing that out a little bit more specifically is it's it's always Christmas can be about 
wanting Christmas more than actually getting to Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the Christmas in this household is a disaster, flat out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even more so than um, in the, the Griswold household. And I do feel like that uh, for everybody involved, I'm, I'm going, th- I guess, through the Rolodex of characters in this movie, um, with maybe the exception of Ralphie's little brother. Yeah, Christmas is totally more about everything surrounding it. Um, because I, I gotta say, I, there's one thing I do hate about this movie. It is the little brother character. Yeah. You hate Randy? Randy just drives us crazy. Oh, yeah. That's maybe, my maybe little that's brother's name, so I related a lot to Yeah, him. maybe that's Screw also Randy. why I was thinking about calling him Randy. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, what is it with Christmas movies and people named Randy? <sighs> I mean, you kind of remind me of Ralphie. So anytime I watch this, I think that's you and I Randy am... as kids. And you, your biggest you know, struggle in life is, is my mommy going to get me a gift? Ow. Ow. I am. Ow. I'm offended. Okay, you know, he, actually, here's a question. And this is, again, because I've never met you before. Yes. And, and maybe this will give our listeners a little bit of insight into your family. Yes. So, you know how there's Ralphie, Randy, in my family, it's David and Dylan. Yes. Why Dean and then Randy? Well, my sister's name's Beth, so... Like, yeah, no, we, we, there, there's not like a thing my parents put out to say, okay, everybody's going to have the same, like, first letter thing. That's not, no. Like, I'm named after, my sister's named after my grandmother, I'm named after my granddad, and my brother's named after my uncle. And, yeah. yeah Granted, cool. my grandpa's name was Jack, so I, Dean was a whole other thing. Fair enough. His name was, yeah. was Jackie Dean. He, he grew up in the country. That's cool. But besides the point. I hear this story at least like once a day. I love you, boo. I forget things. I know. So yeah, what a Christmas story. Right. It really gets to the heart of, you know, kind of just being a kid, which is weird. Because this is the only movie where we have a Chris that we're talking about, where we have a Christmas story told from the perspective of a kid. Yeah. Christmas Vacation, it's told from the perspective of a dad who's trying his best to have the best Christmas he can think of, you know, like the kinds he remember as a kid, but he just kind of can't live up to that memory. Mm-hmm. And in Scrooge, it's from the perspective of a guy who's going through all these trials and tribulations to learn the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. And this is, and Christmas story is unique in that way from these um, pairings. Why hasn't there been a Christmas movie based on a girl? You know, I just thought about that. Based and... on a girl. Yeah, I can't think of any um it's kind of is, is mrs claus a thing copyright it with the wga we got writing to do there got we it go. we're doing it boys <laughs> hold my beer yeah the the two 24 five year old guys are gonna write a movie about a little girl on christmas that's really gonna end well. hey boo you got this so you guys don't go to jail i guess so yay <laughs> go team um yeah i mean uh I think, too, the one thing that is interesting about this movie is I have never been quite able to place the year that this movie takes place in. And it could also be because I overlooked simple details sometimes, mm-hmm. such as they probably could have stated the year of the movie, and I have, for years, never known. Exactly it, it's the like the they... first thing at the opening title scroll, it says X year, and you're just like, what does that mean, though? What's the symbology of those of those? letters so they don't say it in the narration do they no i don't think okay. so no so then that uh, i've always just pegged this as being then post-war america at some point uh, i don't even think it's i think it's pre 
I think it is. Sec- Second World War? I think, it's, I think it's supposed to be in like 1930-something. Really? And this has been a struggle of people trying to figure out the date of the movie. Because okay. we have like the, the Look magazine with Shirley Temple on it. Mm-hmm. That came out in Christmas of 38. But then we have The Wizard of Oz that I think came out before then. Well, and then we have Red Wizard Rider. Of Oz, we, we actually made a note. Was that 39? Was Wizard of Oz? Yeah, I believe 39 was Wizard of Oz. And, and, you know, the other thing I'm thinking about, too, is, okay, if it's 30s and that's Depression America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so the we mall have that... setting would have been a little odd for that time period. Maybe, maybe not so much because it's like the... The mall setting, it's still it's still Depression America, but it's like that Christmas time and we that's at the late end, so we were kind of bouncing back from the depression a little bit. We were starting to get an economy going again. So this might have been the first Christmas where there was it wasn't a a depression, right? And it, it was, wasn't the war either because Randy gets a Zeppelin for Christmas, so if it had been during the Second World War they would have scrapped that for the iron. Yeah, they would have. It, possibly, yeah. And it's also another thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird symbology in this movie because you know, um, Ralphie he wants the Red Rider BB gun, which is a classic example of that mythology of the cowboy and the western and all this other stuff. And what's the radio program he listens to? It's Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, yeah, Little Orphan Annie. And the oh, other... that was another point I was gonna make. They stopped making the decoder pins around uh, thirty nine. They start they switched over to paper, I think. Hmm. Yeah. To save on um, metal. metal. So so this is probably like 39. Somewhere in there. And the other thing is it's a classic. But the Red Rider BB gun is a classic example of the mythologized cowboy. And his dad is the one that gets it for him. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting. And also the reality of Ralphie will probably. This will probably be his last good Christmas as a kid. Because the year after, that's war. Yeah. And he also says that at the end of the movie that, you know, through all of his Christmases, this was his best Christmas he ever had. So this kind of shows that they go, he goes through war and whatever happens in his life yeah. down the line. It's, it's really, man, it's kind of depressing when you think about it. Yeah. Whereas this is his best <laughs> Christmas where, granted, he got the toy he wanted, he always wanted. But basically through this, he got Santa kicked him in the face. The dogs, <laughs> the neighbor's dogs destroyed his house. Uh, he got his mouth washed out with soap. He got punished for beating up the school bully. Granted, that might be a plus. I don't know. He got he got beat up the school bully. He, well, yeah, I, I feel beat like the shit out of him. I feel like that's like the battle climax of the movie when he actually gets to overcome that. Scott Barkus. Um, yeah. Also, I, I, I like how Ralphie just goes in for the double leg and starts just raining blows on Scott Barkus like he's in the UFC. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Very yeah. wholesome. He definitely has Brazilian jiu-jitsu training. Yeah, I mean, what else are they going to do in Iowa, you know? Exactly. Hey, my granddad's from Iowa. (laughs) Granted, the population of that mall setting was the more population than what my granddad grew up with, but besides the point. So, uh, and I'm only interested in going back to this because now I think it's starting to triangulate the date of the movie a little bit more. So, Little Orphan Annie... I don't know if they state what station it was on in the movie. I, I don't think, think so. so. Um, if they do, I don't remember. That it, probably more than, likely than not on the NBC radio. Blue, sponsored by Ovaltine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if the sponsorship is still active, which at the time, you know, they wouldn't be running rerunning sponsorships, then it 
pins this anywhere between 1931 and 1942. Now, I would be, I would beg that the commercialization of all of it. I maybe place this movie in 1940, 1941, mm-hmm. pre entering the war because like you said. Like it's it have to be in nineteen forty then because by the nineteen Christmas nineteen forty one we were in yeah so uh, possibly nineteen forty yeah that's probably where I would pin pin this and it and a lot of that like I guess that cultural snapshot of America and that because this is the idealized America right that people harken back to and say the good old days yeah you know everything when you know in simpler times. Me- Probably ni- more like 1950s. I feel like... Well, if you're a racist, then. But whatever. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> I mean it was still there. <laughs> don't give I guess. But yeah. But yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. But this is... But that's kind of what this movie is trying to portray. Is that very wholesome, idealized family setting. You know, the kids, the moms, all that stuff. And it is interesting when we think about it like that. Where it's... This is not only... This is Ralphie's last moments moment of innocent childhood yeah this is his last moment of innocent childhood christmas because the year after he's gonna have to grow up real quick yeah definitely and maybe that's also one of the reasons that the thing he covets in the movie is kind of for bigger kids like maybe it's it's there's a little bit of a metaphor and uh because all good stories kind of have a symbol like this where it's not on the nose like a Scrooge, but yeah. um, him people not trusting him to not shoot his eye out with this toy, maybe because he's too young. But then once he gets it, and his father kind of gives him this whole sort of it's like, well, you know, he's growing up a little bit. You let him, let him get into guns, and then let's see where he goes from there. Which, Which is that would again a that mindset to think about now. But that mindset might not apply in nine in uh, twenty twenty. Whatever. Then again, it's also an air rifle. It's like you know, you go figure. And cowboys were a thing back then too. It's and um, we also see during the flashbacks when he's you know wanting this gun, <clears throat> we see you know he's protecting the house. He has yeah. this whole fantasy yeah. like, going on that he's the Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, so it's not him you know out there shooting whatever. It's him protecting his home and his his family. So it's kind of you know. A little bit of a jump into the future of, hey, we kind of have to protect ourselves because war's coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. weird coming of age story. That yeah, that's what I figured out about this movie, especially because then that idealized version of childhood is very uh, violently ripped away from him. Not necessarily shooting his eye out, but then him stepping on his glasses and things. And him, yeah. him proving that he might not be old enough for this, but. He's gonna have to. Be. This movie is actually a lot deeper than I thought it would be. I thought this would probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think so. I think that's one of the things that always gets me to go back to the movie is that it is really on its surface level when you're really when you're just watching the movie, but afterwards thinking about it, it's like oh, there are a lot of interesting layers to this story that are probably the reason it's stuck around so long in the American lexicon in a long time. Oh yeah, I, I think. Out of all the movies we've talked about, Christmas Story. I guess it already has proven it'll be the longest lived, but I think Christmas Story is probably going to be the one that generations way past us are going to keep going back Definitely. to. Definitely. Well, I mean, I, I hope so, as long as we don't end a nuclear yeah, you never winter. Know. You, you never knows? know. 
Because you never know what's going to happen in 2021, yeah. given what's happened this year. <laughs> Could you imagine 2020 was just a prelude to a lot more shit? Oh, God, I hope not. It'll be fine, boo. I'm here for you. So, yeah. Um, I guess we're just going to have to round this this story out here. So, we have three movies. We have Scrooge. We have Christmas Vacation. We have A Christmas Story. All of them, we can say, are good films. Yeah. Agreeable. Yeah. All of them. Stick to the themes of Christmas. All of them are funny in one way or the other. All of them have a good, like, heartwarming message in there. But, Boo, I know this is unique for you because this is the first time you've had to do this. What order would you watch these in for a marathon? Because that's what we, we've talked about in yeah. the double feature sometimes because we try and find the best pairing. But... The best pairing, you know, you gotta gotta lead into it. It's, you know, it's a roller coaster of emotions here. And this is an easy question for me because I watch these three movies along with other movies every Christmas season. So I usually start with Scrooge. Mm-hmm. You get the comedy in, you get you know the heartwarming feeling at the end. Then you transition to Christmas Vacation, which is you know mostly comedy all around, and you get you know that heartwarming you know. I was wrong. I should have been better to my employees. The family's finally like, you know what? This guy's breaking his back to give us all a great Christmas. And then you got to end with a Christmas, uh, a Christmas story. Hmm. Okay. Because okay. you're getting right there to Christmas. You're excited. We're finally going to open presents. The presents that you buy for your loved ones, those are going to be open. So that's kind of like the teaser to Christmas morning. David, thoughts? So the the sequence I watched them in was Christmas story. Christmas Vacation and Scrooge. If I was to do it again, I'm puzzled because the Christmas Story is a very quiet movie. There's not a whole lot of drama. There's not a whole lot of climax. There's not a lot of bombast. Whereas the other movies at least have that. And I feel like if I was to do it again, I'm going to end on Scrooge from now on. Oh, okay. Because that, you know, television studio ending is fantastic. (laughs) I... I kind of have to agree with them. Okay. That that ending just seems like a perfect cherry on top of the Sunday. If I was to start with one of these, I think I would go with probably Christmas Vacation to be first. Putting Christmas Story in the middle, I think, has to do mostly with um, it's a little bit of a break. Maybe yeah. I I don't I can't quite put my finger on what it is other than that it's a quiet kind of middle act to the to the three. Mm-hmm. Um, judging by how many times I've seen Christmas Story, though, I would probably cut that out and just place two uh, dueling screens with Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. <laughs> but of but of course, I yeah. I assume that's what you're doing for this Christmas morn. Yeah, well, I, if, I'm certainly going to watch Lethal Weapon again. And then probably the rest of the Lethal Weapon movies because I want to see if... Do those take place on Christmas as well? or I don't know, but I know Joe Pesci's in one of them. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check them out then. Yes. But I'm kind of on David's plan here, but I got I do have my, my caveat. I think we start with Christmas Story mm-hmm. because classic, gets you into the mood, gets you going. Then you go into Christmas Vacation, which... A little bit older, kind of raunchy humor, and then with the big bombastic explosion, you go right into the Bill Murray Scrooge comedy with which, explosions. In with the movie. explosions in the movie, and then it also just 
ends on that really heartwarming, you know, you know, song number, and it's it's just great. I think, I think all in all, you can watch these movies in a lot of orders and have a lot of fun. But that's kind of the the double feature ideology here. And as for the film club, when we end things up, we like to do a little bit of trivia, fun facts, doodads about that. Boo. How many fun facts and doodads oh, you got about there, this? There are so many fun facts I got. I mean, I could go on for days, but I think maybe one of the fun facts that might get the two of you, if you haven't researched yet. So, Mr. Parker in A Christmas Story, he's played by... Where's Mr. Parker on my list? By Darren McGavin. Mm-hmm. You can't think of A Christmas Story without thinking of the old man, you know, yelling at the radiator and... And the know, bumpuses. The bumpuses and, you know, tiny while I'm changing the tire... But apparently during pre-production, Jack Nicholson almost got the part as Mr. Parker. Oh my god. Which is interesting because this movie, Christmas this... Story came out in... 83? So he would have been he would have been older, Jack Nicholson at this point. A little older. I mean, probably middle-aged. I, I'll put it to you like this. He would have looked like Jack Torrance from The Shining. Right. Yeah. Which I totally can see... Because that's the one thing that I also think about whenever I go back to this movie is, like, the, the age gap between his parents is kind of noticeable. Yeah. Uh, his mom doesn't look, she looks about the age of, of what a parent should be. His dad looks like a green. 50 years old. <laughs> so yeah. So I'm like, interesting. Um, especially when the two kids are so young. Jack Nicholson, I feel like, would have been a little closer a little bit more uh, believable. A little bit more believable while maintaining that. But obviously then Darian McGavin, you know, can't replace that. Because I, I also don't think, there's there are certain, I don't think he, you could see Jack Nicholson wanting to time himself while changing his tire. He would just be cursing the whole time. <laughs> I feel this story would be about, like, Ralphie getting his ass kicked by his dad and being chased around with an axe in, a, in, in the house. Well, no, just turn, just the crowbar. It would just turn into The Shining. I, yeah. I could have watched... The Christmas story, if Jack Nicholson was in it, without thinking, when is he going to flip? When When is one of the twins going to show up? I mean, maybe I could see Jack Nicholson doing all that, because I, there are movies later in his life, much later in his yeah. life, where he certainly has a more upbeat attitude to him. Yeah. Obviously, those are movies where he gets basically to play playboy old men. But yeah. He just playing himself. Yeah. Um, but that is interesting, yeah. Yeah, and apparently he really wanted this role, but the studio was like, you know what, we can't afford his fees, and I guess with his salary, since he was such a big star at the time, was going to double the the price of the movie. And they are just like, yeah, we're not putting up the studio. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, because this is a very low-budget movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, normally we do some sort of, like, we go over budgets and box offices, but... uh, Worldwide gross is $20 Yes, yeah, so, for eighty three, yeah, eighty three. That would have been yeah, that would have been pretty good. Yeah, I think it's opening weekend. Do I have that in my notes? Well, I mean, opening weekend I think was yeah, it made two million. It's opening weekend. Well, I mean, all in all, these these movies all were successful when they came out. They all had a lot of fun, and I think we had a lot of fun here. Yeah, right. No, I had zero fun. Oh, well, I actually I don't mean, like you now that I've met you, and I'm quitting the podcast. But yeah, that's, that's well, don't worry. Point. I don't like Bull Durham either. Yeah, it's garbage. Well, maybe next time you shouldn't show me a picture of yourself that isn't the 
Isn't Channing Tatum? Yeah, exactly. Life happens. I mean, that's how he suckered me into this relationship. <sighs> Bunch of savages. But yeah, so I guess that, that wraps us up here. Uh, what should people expect from each of our respective podcasts coming into the new year? Well, the thing that we got coming up soon is our awards season at the Double Feature. We're doing all of our best and worst of the year. Uh, that's kind of what we got to go along with all of the holiday uh, programming coming out, um, along with a slew of new movies coming in the new year. Yes. And Miss Wu at the Film Club, what's coming out? At the Film Club next week, we are uploading on New Year's Eve, and we're going to be talking about The Purge, because 2020 was such a shit show. Why not talk about a world where it's a shit show one day a year? So, yeah, we're going to do that. And coming January, do you want to spoil that, or should we leave that as a surprise for the next episode? Well, it is a surprising season, because that's our Guilty Pleasure Month, and we will be surprising each other at the end of every episode about what crazy, weird, guilty pleasures we have come up with for the month of January. But that's about it here at the Film Club and the Double Feature Podcast. I'd like to wish everybody Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Just have a wonderful time with your family. And if you don't got family, then uh, have something to drink and watch some of these movies. You'll have a great time either way. Yeah, it's always nice to be have a fine surrogate on, yes. on television. That's always a healthy way to deal with the holidays. Hey, quiet, yeah. <laughs> don't don't judge my family. All right, well, guys, say something nice before I sign off so I'm not the crazy one. Uh, if you get a handsome a, a PS5, you're the most blessed, so good for you. Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad. Have a very happy holiday season, and eat you know this year's been so bad just eat whatever you want don't worry about it treat yourself i can agree with treat yourself <laughs> treat yourself indeed all right peace see you guys we'll see you next week at the film club